See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, I'm going to do something difficult tonight. I'm going to try really hard to sit still um, for uh, this part of our service. This is probably not going to work, but we're going to try it anyway. Uh, And I thought we'd just have a little conversation tonight about this idea of lament and prayers of lament. Maybe you've noticed this sometimes in Scripture, but there are a number of uncomfortable prayers in the Bible. And well, uh, let me give you some examples. Um, These are all prayers out of Scripture. Because of you, O God, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. I am a worm and not human. Why do you stand far off, O God? Why do you pride yourself and hide yourself in times of trouble? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And my favorite, the righteous will rejoice when they see vengeance done. They will bathe their feet in the blood of the wicked. These are uncomfortable prayers. Uh, though actually, they've given me some cool ministry ideas. So next Monday, Thursday, um, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a foot washing, but we're going to do it in the blood of the wicked instead of with water. So if you have some non-Christian friends who could come in and donate some blood for us, that'd be really helpful. I think it's going to be extremely memorable, extremely memorable. Also, I'm going to encourage our elders in in the coming weeks when they're praying with or praying for people in our church to use some of these prayers. You know, when someone comes and says, I'm having a crisis, our elders can just say, God, you're never around when we need you, and it feels like you forgot us forever. Amen. And I think that'll really lift people's spirits. Uh, So what what is a lament? Why why do we even have these prayers in our Scriptures? Uh, I came across a wonderful dissertation by a graduate of Duke Divinity School whose name was Rebecca Ann Eklund. And so I've really been enjoying her work. And uh, Rebecca Ann Eklund has a couple of definitions of lament that I think are helpful. First, she wants to point out um, this is a word that can mean a lot of different things in the Bible. It can mean a complaint. Uh, like a legal complaint. It can mean an expression of grief, a ritual act of mourning, a dirge for the dead, a cry for help, an accusation directed to God, a public protest over injustice, or a wordless wailing. So it can mean a lot of things. But in, in all of those, there's this sense, she says, that lament is a persistent cry for salvation to the God who promises to save in a situation of suffering or sin, in the confident hope that this God hears and responds to cries and acts now and in the future to make us whole. This idea that lament are cries for God's help um, and from a context of confidence that He's going to show up and do something for us. It's a really powerful idea. Uh, Somebody else said this less eloquently. They said a lament is a spiritual ouch, right? Like I'm in pain in my spirit and an, an insistent complaint, God, you need to do something, right? I'm in pain, God, you need to do something. Um, sometimes these laments in Scripture are related to our sin, but often they're not. Often these are um, appeals for divine justice in the face of persecution or in the face of illness or in the face of grief or loss. Uh, Some of these laments um, really call God out, right? 
We heard, where have you been, God? Why aren't you showing up? Why are you standing far from me? Uh, And in those moments, there's clearly an element of doubt in the context of lament. Michael Guinan says, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Despair is. He says, in despair, we give up on our relationship with God. Doubt, on the other hand, is a sign that our faith is alive and kicking. It is part of the rhythm of faith itself. Lament is not a failure of faith, but an act of faith. We cry out directly to God because deep down we know that our relationship with God counts. It counts to us and it counts to God. So, even though we have an element of doubt and questioning in our prayers, it doesn't mean we're running from God. It's, it's literally the act of going to God with our doubts. It's the act of going to God with our pain, with our grief, with our sorrow, and saying, even though you haven't fixed this yet, I believe you can. I believe that you care and you can. One other component of laments that are is really quite significant for almost all of the laments we find in the Bible is a change in tone. So, most of these laments have some section that is quite insistent, quite firm. God, I need you to do this. God, we need you to show up. God, break the teeth of the wicked. But then we also get a shift from a tone of crisis to a tone of confidence. God, I know that you have saved us before and will save us again. If you've ever sat with a family member or a friend in a season of loss, especially after um, the loss of a loved one, you've experienced this change in tone. Um, Every time I've ever been with a family in that um, moment of their lives, there is tears and sorrow and sadness, and there's almost always laughter and stories and humor. And it's almost like our our souls need that, right? That we, we go back and forth from crisis to confidence or from sorrow to joy. And it's a, it's a healthy, it's a good thing. And we see that right in these, in these prayers of lament. Okay, so that's what a lament is. Where do we see laments in the story of the Scriptures? Well, they're all over the Bible. They live in most of the books of the Bible. Um, though the, the most obvious places we see them are in the Psalms. So, Prayers of lament or prayers of complaint are the most common kind of psalm in the book of Psalms. Between 40 and 50 of the psalms fall into this category of prayers of lament, so almost one-third of the whole book. Uh, Some of the prayers in psalms are individual. Um, God, I am beset by enemies. And some of the prayers in psalms that are laments are communal. God, we are beset by enemies. But that, that theme of a spiritual ouch and an insistent complaint um, and these changes in tone from crisis to confidence and back, um, those run through those psalms incredibly powerfully. Uh, we see this in the prophets. We see it in the book of Lamentations, which is a book of laments. We see it in the speeches of Job. Uh, we see it in the stories of the kings. We also see this pattern of prayer in the New Testament, especially in the life of Jesus, and especially at two points in the life of Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross. So, we read tonight um, in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus 
goes off to pray by himself, and we're told that he is grieved and agitated. And Jesus says, I am deeply grieved even to death. Jesus is in a a season of crisis, right? He's in a season of sorrow and loss and fear. And so, he goes and he prays, and his prayer is a prayer of lament. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. This sounds like so many of the prayers in the book of the Psalms that say, I've been righteous, save me in my righteousness, but I trust you, God. I trust your timing. I trust your goodness. Jesus actually goes off, finds his disciples, they're asleep, gives them some grief, comes back, and then he says that second part of this prayer that's so beautiful, my Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And it reminds us of the Psalms, again, that shift in tone from crisis to confidence. Uh, On the cross, Jesus continues this practice of lament. In fact, He quotes from multiple Psalms of lament on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The beginning of Psalm 22, one of the most famous lamenting Psalms, or into your hands I commit my spirit. Psalm 31, verse 6, another prayer of lament. So this process of of bringing our heartfelt grief and doubt and pain to God is one that runs throughout the whole of Scripture and lives so clearly in the life of Jesus. So the question is, when should we offer prayers like this? When do we bring prayers of lament to God? And I think this is actually a real challenge for us. I think we are uncomfortable about these kinds of prayers, and it's one of the reasons that we don't like to read them. We don't like to sing songs that say, how long, O God, will you forget me forever? And we really don't even know what to do with them when we get to Scripture. It's just, they're just uncomfortable. I think part of the problem that we face in our Christian lives is there's an incredible pressure to be a Christian at the end of our story. Right? There's a huge pressure to be Paul after the road to Emmaus, right? where we encountered God, and before God our lives were a disaster, and now we met God, and now everything's great. And, and this is a pressure, I think, that gets placed on us in many ways, but it is sort of the story we think we're supposed to tell, I had a number of experiences um, visiting folks in Nicaragua, including back in 2016 with our church. And when I was in Nicaragua, we worked with a group called Young Life, which is a a ministry to middle school, high school, and college students. And Young Life does a wonderful job of asking people to share their testimonies. One of the things that I observed over a lot of years of listening to testimonies from those students is that they mostly sounded pretty similar. I don't think they were disingenuous, I think it's the story they felt they were supposed to tell. So their stories were, you know, I, I grew up in a good home, I got into trouble, drugs, alcohol, sex, gangs, whatever, and then I came to Young Life and I met Jesus and I left all that stuff behind and now my life is totally amazing and great. It's a beautiful story and for many of them it was true. But even for those for whom it was completely true, they were 20-year-olds who didn't have enough story 
yet, right? For those of us who've lived longer, or even for many 20-year-olds or younger, um, we're not all at the end of our story. A lot of us are right in the middle. And in the middle, we don't have resolution yet. We don't have a solution to our grief or our depression or our cancer or our child that's wandered away from the faith or uh, our uncertainty about our vocation. We're, we're trying to figure all that stuff out. Um, and, and that's where prayers of lament are so helpful, right? It's, it's in the middle. It's in that in-between time. And that's where David is when he prays, the, prays these prayers. It's where Job is. It's where Jeremiah is. It's where Jesus is, right? It's in that in-between time before the victory when we're still at the cross. And this is really what Jesus tells us we should expect, right? He says, you're going to pick up your cross and follow me. You're going to spend a lot of time in that in-between season before you get to the victory and the joy at the end. Uh, and so, in that in-between time in which many of us live, that's when these prayers are appropriate. That's when we're called to bring our grief and our loss and our sorrow and our doubt to God. We can do this for ourselves. We can also do this for others. And this is, again, throughout the Scriptures, um, we pray not just that I am surrounded by foes, but God, we are surrounded by foes. We offer up communal laments. It can be for ourselves or our families. It can be for um, our world. It can be for Ukraine or Turkey or Syria or Michigan State. It can be for the um, family of Tyree Nichols. It can be for all of the crises in our world. We can offer up those laments and say, God, we don't see you solving this yet, but we believe you're the only one who can. So, God, we need you to show up and step up. I think there are two dangers for us um, when we avoid the practice of lament. The first is the danger of bow theology. And bow theology is quite simply the idea that every problem needs to be tied up neatly with a bow and placed away. Uh, and I think we see this never more clearly than in the book of Job. In the book of Job, we have a man who is righteous and faithful and following God, who suffers horrible afflictions as a result of spiritual warfare. And his friends come, and for seven days, they sit with him in silence, and they are wonderful friends. And they offer, I think, the right response. They are lamenting moments. And then they start talking, and everything they say is wrong because they're convicted, they're convinced that their job is to explain away the problem. We don't need to always explain away the problem. There isn't always a clear solution to every crisis. Sometimes we just say, this stinks, and, and we sit with people in their suffering, and we want them to sit with us, and that's enough, and we offer prayers of lament. The other danger um, when we leave out the practice of lament in our spiritual lives is the danger of triumphalism, right? That everything is great, not just in my life, but, but everywhere. Um, and, and, and I worry when we become um, triumphant, we diminish the justice of God and the reasonable expectations of the kingdom of God instead of saying, in this moment, no, I want full justice for you and your family. We say, well, there's a silver lining. I know this horrible thing happened to you, but hey, at least you got a new puppy, right? And, 
I think we diminish the goodness of God when we settle for less than complete restoration and wholeness, when we settle for less than complete um, hope and promise, um, when we say that good enough is good enough instead of holding out for God's goodness. So, uh, what does it look like when we offer prayers of lament? Uh, I came across a video of a, of a series of prayers like this that I thought um, was really beautiful and simple, and I want to share that with you. How long? God, how long? How long will we be hurting? How long will this misery last? God, how long must we wait for you to restore us? How many more dark nights must we face? How many more funerals must we attend? God, how many more times must we pray, come Lord Jesus, before you answer us? Why do you still let evil exist? Why do you still let grief weigh us down? God, why do you still let your people suffer when you have already conquered the world? God, we're confused. We're weak. We're hurting. So would you be near and bring comfort in the depths of grief? Would you be near and give strength to sustain us today? our eyes to see your goodness again. God, we wait for you. We cry. We grieve. We pray. And we wait. It's so simple, but so powerful. So we've talked about what lament is. We've talked about where we find lament in Scripture. We've talked about why we pray prayers of lament. We have a sense of what that looks like. Uh, I want to end by talking about what happens when we pray this way, what, what the effect of our prayers of lament are. The first is simple but powerful. We activate the agency of God, right? When we pray, every time we pray, we partner with God. Scripture is unbelievably clear on this point. Your prayers can change God's mind. Your prayers can make a transformational difference in our world. We recognize that sometimes those prayers have an instant impact, and sometimes persistence is required before we see God answer them the way we want Him to answer them of course, sometimes God says, I have a better plan than you can imagine. But when we pray, every time we pray, we activate the agency of God. 
When we pray prayers of lament, we particularly participate in the story of Jesus. And this is so important. Uh, Rebecca Ann Eklund again says, the passion narrative, the, the story of Jesus' suffering that we get at the end of the Gospels, is as a whole evoking of multiple details from the individual lament psalms. Most importantly, Jesus' passion reflects the motif of the humiliation and subsequent vindication of the righteous one, right? The crisis and the confidence. The humiliation of Jesus contains many themes common to the laments, God's apparent absence, the betrayal of companions and friends, slander, the mocking and triumph of enemies, and the righteous one's ongoing hope in God's vindication and trust in God's faithfulness in the midst of trouble. Like Jesus, we cry out to God. Like Jesus, we are loved and heard. Like Jesus, we may have to travel through the cross before we reach the empty tomb. Like Jesus, from the other side of the resurrection, all of this will have been worth it, and our scars will be our trophies. The third thing that happens when we pray prayers of lament is we are reminded of the goodness of God. I think we see this in every prayer of lament. We saw it in Jesus in the garden, this movement from crisis to confidence. But I think the process of this reminding is so basic. I, I had a, this is silly, but I had a conversation with my son Asher yesterday morning. We were walking to the bus stop and on the way to the bus stop, we live here in Rothschild, and there's a paper mill in Rothschild, um, but it doesn't often smell bad. Well, yesterday it did. It smelled terrible. We walked out the door, and he said, was that the dog? And I said, no, it wasn't the dog, buddy. It's something else. And as we walked to the bus stop, we spent about 30 seconds saying, this is, you know, wow, awful, smelly. And, and I'll be honest, the very next thing we both thought was, huh, we don't smell this very often. Huh. Most of our life is pretty different. What a blessing it is to live next to the paper mill and not smell it all the time. Uh, silly but powerful, I think often when we are honest and look carefully at the difficult aspects of our lives, we cannot help but also recognize and see the blessings that come along with them. We recognize, even in the midst of our grief, the incredible privilege of the life we lived with those that we loved. We recognize, even in the midst of our experience of feeling abandoned by God, all of those times when God didn't abandon us when He showed up and was faithful and palpable and present. Every time that we ask God to show up and do something, we are naturally reminded of all the times God has shown up and done something in the past. And in fact, offering a prayer of lament is rooted in the belief that God is just and does work out justice in the world. Last but not least, when we offer prayers of lament, we express our hope in the midst of grief, loss, and darkness. Again, one last quote from my friend Rebecca. Lament trusts that despite the pain of the world, God acts in the present through Jesus' resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit, and that God will act in the future through the ultimate redemption and restoration of all creation. The church joins Jesus' laments and longing for the completion of what Jesus' ministry, death, and resurrection began, the return of Christ, and the consummation of God's kingdom. 
Lament is about living in that in-between time, between the already of what Christ has done and the not yet of when He comes back and makes all things right. We have enough hope to believe that He can do what He promised to do, but we are still in this season of waiting. And it seems to me that that's what Ash Wednesday uh, and really the season of Lent is all about. Ash Wednesday is the beginning of this 40-day journey leading up to Good Friday, leading up to the death of Jesus. It's a reminder of our mortality. It's the beginning of a season of penitence and self-denial and prayer. It's a time for lament, um, for recognizing those places in our world that are broken and our lives that are incomplete, where we want God's justice and peace to come and reign as it should on earth and as it does in heaven. But Ash Wednesday and Lent is also the beginning of a journey that leads to Easter, the beginning of a journey that leads to the empty tomb, to Christ's victory over sin and death, the great victory of our faith. We, we have, even in this day, this tension between crisis and confidence because Ash Wednesday and Lent is about being in that in-between. That's where most of our lives are lived. Most of our lives are lived not in the, the triumphant end story, but in the in-between moments. So when you pray in the in-between moments of your lives, pray honestly to God. Be direct. Pray like David, pray like Jesus, and join in the longing for the consummation of God's kingdom. Thanks be to God. Amen.